Hey guys, it's your girl E. I am back with another podcast and I pray that this is going to be a blessing to you and that this is going to be a prophetic word for some of you. But before I get started and continue on, I want to start off in prayer so that way God can take over and, and, and give me this word how he wants me to give it to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you humbly and we come before you yet bold in Christ. We come before you, bowing our heads and humbling ourselves before you. Father, I pray that the word that you have given me and that you will give me as I speak, that it speaks to whom it needs to speak to and that it it goes forth to whom it needs to go forth to. And that may all the evil forces that are trying to block people from getting this word, Father, may the dark forces cease in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray that whoever's listening to this podcast, Father, that you anoint them to do what it is that you need them to do that is according to your will and according to your purpose for their lives. And Father, I pray that as they're listening to this podcast, that you break down the strongholds in their minds that the enemy has set up. The enemy has set up camp in some people's minds and they feel like they can't accomplish what it is that you have for them. But Father, you said that in your word that in due season... In due season, they shall reap if they faint not. Father, I'm praying that for those who are meant to hear this word, that they hear this word and that it gets down on the inside of them and that it gets down on the inside of their spirit. And that, Father, this would be good seed planted on good ground. Because I know that, Father, you say in your word and you talk about it um, for the seeds that are planted, that some seeds are not planted on good ground because the devil comes by and he takes the word and he takes it and he takes it before it's, it's uprooted in your people. But Father, I pray that this word takes root in your people, Father, in your chosen people. And that, that this may be the catalyst to help them move forward. In Jesus' name, I pray this. Amen. Okay, so let's get into it. Today's title of this podcast is meeting God where you are at, right? Meeting God where you are at. A lot of times when God gives us a word, when he gives us a, a vision, when he gives us um, um, an anointing to, to do his will and to do great things, a lot of times we can sense in our spirit that God is going to have us do something great. God is going to have us opening up businesses. God is going to have us, you know, becoming the first a professor at a prestigious college or, you know, becoming the first, you know, um, African-American to do such and such or to to become the first, you know, millionaire, billionaire in your family to, to do whatever. You know, you may be set apart by God to do something, right? It's something that God has told you that he wants you to do and that only you can fulfill it. And when God gives us dreams, visions, the anointing, the the prophetic words, a lot of times after a while, it's met with frustrations because we're thinking what God prophesied over my life, what God spoke to me, when God anointed me, when God gave me this vision, my life does not look now of what God prophesied over my life. So that frustration can set in and you can say, man, I don't see what God is doing. I don't see how God is going to do it. This don't look like what God said 15, 20 years ago, right? And you may be thinking, man, I can just go on and do my thing. 
I'm going to just go on and start the, the business myself and I'm going to just do it on my own and I'm not going to have any help from anyone. But I'm telling you that this is a setup from the enemy. Everything that is happening in your life now is meant to propel you forward. And the characteristics that you're going to learn now is what you're going to need to be elevated to the next level. Right? So hear me out. When David was was anointed to be king, when God said, okay, Saul is not going to do what I told him to do. He's going to be disobedient. When God was ready to anoint David to be king, right? God told Samuel, go to Jesse's house and anoint his son. And God didn't even tell Samuel who the name of the son was going to be. He just said, hey, go here and, and let the anointing of the oil fall on the son that I am anointing king. Samuel went and did that, right? So when God was ready for David to be king, David was known as what I would call the reject kid, right? When I was growing up in Brooklyn, New York, um, when a kid would walk into school with a non-name brand knockoff shoes or clothes or, you know, something that wasn't, you know, name brand, um, the the joke would be called um, to tell that person that they're wearing rejects or to tell that person that, you know, the kid that they're a reject, meaning they're wearing knockoffs is not the real thing. And, you know, they didn't have enough money to be a part of the cool crowd. Right. So they were called the rejects, the wannabes. Right. David was looked at as the reject kid from his father, Jesse, and from his own brother's. Now, in my podcast that I did before, I said that it is not known whether David had a mother in his life. But it was also said that David was possibly um, uh, uh, kind of like a baby out of wedlock for Jesse. Um, it was said that, you know, Jesse may have had an affair. And, you know, that's why David was looked down upon by his other brothers. And that's why possibly, you know, maybe... Uh, Jesse rejected David because maybe whether it was a an affair that Jesse had and he birthed David or whether it was from David's mother who had an affair and somehow that's how David came along. But for some reason, David was looked at as the rejected son, right? David wasn't looked at as being part of Jesse's sons. Um, David was frowned upon. David was a lot of the times made to go out and, and attend to, to, to the sheep. He was made to, to go out and always to be, you know, like on the outside, to be cast away, to always be, you know, kept busy because they probably didn't want to deal with him. So David always, from growing up, he had a spirit of rejection on him. Right. And when you have a spirit of rejection on you, a lot of times this brings you closer to God. And it did bring David closer to God because God was like, David is a man after my own heart. Because when you're rejected by, you know, your own father or your father-in-law and you're rejected by like all of your siblings, I can imagine that you felt like maybe, you know, a loner, you felt left out, you didn't feel like you had a family, you didn't feel like you, you belong. So that probably drew David closer to God. But you see how 
this all plays out to how David's going to be anointed to be, to be king. Because even though David was rejected by his, his father and his brothers, if David was probably never rejected by his family, David probably would not have had the relationship with God that he had. And maybe God would have never anointed David to be king, right? So remember the storyline and remember how I'm telling it to you because this is going to this is gonna be um, spoken about again um, later on in the podcast. And I'm going to show you how sometimes the worst thing that you can go to go through, God is going to use that very thing. To help build character. To keep you in the place that he has for you. Okay, so let me move on, right? So key point number one is when God has called you and you're set aside and you're anointed and God gives you a vision and he gives you a dream. You're not going to fit in with the crowd, right? So stop trying. You're trying to fit in with the cool kids. You're trying to follow the trends that's on social media and you don't quite look right. You don't quite kind of like you know got that thing it's because it wasn't meant for you to fit in there's a reason why God set you apart so know how to walk in your anointing but also know how to walk in your uniqueness because your your uniqueness is what's going to be needed but when God elevates you to the place where he has called you right now David's brothers kind of like sort of had a little click right and that's that's normal, you know. If you if you have siblings, you know, and you have like more than five siblings, you know that there's always probably a few other siblings that's more closer than than maybe some of the others, and and that's what's called, you know, you know, the siblings click, right? You're related by blood, but yet you don't really fit in because you're not a part of the click in your family, and that's how David felt. He was related by blood, but he was also rejected by by his brothers and by his fathers. So David had to learn how to deal with that. And David from a young kid realized that, you know what, I don't fit in with my father. I don't fit in with my siblings. I'm gonna just go out here and attend this sheep like my, my father Jesse asked me to. And I'm gonna learn how to how to like the boy that I am because remember at the time that David was anointed king he was about 16 17 years old he was still a teenager he was still very young so he was still a boy right you're not gonna fit in so stop trying to right and after David was anointed to be king what did David do now the title of this podcast is called meet God where you're at a lot of times like I said when God anoints us to, to do a certain tasking or commissions us to do something, when he gives us a dream, when he gives us a vision, we immediately want to stop what we're doing. We want to quit our job. We, we want to go laugh in, you know, other people's faces and say, aha, blah, blah, blah. You know, you may be tempted to, to you know, go to your job and say, you know what? God anointed me to do this job. I'm going to quit right now. But that's not how it works. David was anointed to be king, but guess what David had to do? David had to go right back to attendant to the sheep. David didn't walk off and say, you know what? God anointed me, anointed me to be king. I'm going to leave these sheep alone. I'm too big for this. You know, David didn't walk around talking about something. Oh, now you guys got to start bowing down to me. 
you know, because I'm going to be king and I'm going to be your king. So you might as well go ahead and, you know, and do what I say. David did not have that type of attitude. David was very humble. David did not leave God where God met him. When God anointed David to be king, God met David at a place of humility, probably at a place of brokenness. Because remember, when, when David was called in, he wasn't even considered. When, when the prophet Samuel came to Jesse's house, he said that God said that I'm going to anoint one of your sons to be king. Jesse gathered up all his sons but David. David was not even considered. Imagine a prophet coming to your parents' house saying, I'm going to anoint one of your sons to be king. And then and then your father gathering up all your, your brothers and you're probably on the outside going, well, well, what is going on here? You know, well, well, what is this meeting about? Well, why am I not a part of the meeting? Right. David had a lot of hurt and he had a lot of pain. Right. But he didn't let that pain and that spirit of rejection drive him into a place that where he ran away from God. Once God said that you're going to be anointed to be to be king. David did not run away and get a hothead. David met God where he met him, meaning that when God met David, he was at a place of humility. But when God gave David the commission and anointed him, David said, I am here. I will stay here. I will attend to the sheep. I will stay in my father's house and I will remain here until God gives me a word to move forward and go forth and do something else. A lot of times when God is anointing people, when he's anointing his children to be king, you run off, you get hyped, you get happy. And it's okay to be happy that God is anointing you, right? It's a wonderful feeling. But don't let the devil, don't let the enemy trick you into running outside of God's will because now you think because God anointed you to do this, God has tasked you to do this, that you all of a sudden know how to handle what it is that God has given you. Because I can tell you right now, you do not know how to handle the will of God on your own outside of God. The person who's going to be able to tell you how to handle his will, his way is the one who gave it to you. And that's the God almighty, right? So meeting God where he met you at is remaining in the place where God met you, where he anointed you. And for some people, that may look like you're still going to have to work at McDonald's for five years, right? You're still going to have to to be up under um, uh, the, the terriblest boss that you can probably ever have in your lifetime for the next two or three years. For some, that may look like being a single parent for the next eight years. Because God has a kingdom spouse for you in year nine. For some people, it may look like being in a household full of people who cannot stand you. They reject you. They call you like they call David, the reject kid. The kid who wasn't good enough to be a part of the the Jesse sons when he initially thought that, oh, well, surely one of these sons could be anointed. The place where God has you. You have to remain because it builds character, right? Key point number two, you will be groomed where you are planted. And I'm going to say that again. You will be groomed where you're planted. 
And that is exactly what God did to David. David had to stay up under his father, Jesse. David had to stay up under his siblings who couldn't stand him because he was different. He wasn't like the rest. What happens when God has you in a place where you hate it? You despise your boss. You despise your parents. You despise your siblings. You despise the people who make fun of you. You look at them every day. They're talking about you. They're saying hurtful things. They're saying mean things. What happens when God says, I'm going to groom you and I'm going to plant you, but I'm going to plant you in a place that you're going to be so hurt and so broken. But after this, the anointing that you're going to carry is going to help generations. You would probably hesitantly take the task, but you would probably still ask God, well, why? Why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to go through it this way? And you can very well ask that question, but God is probably going to tell you what he told Jesus Christ. This is the path that I chose for you. This is what you had to do. Jesus could have did it any other way. Jesus could have rejected the cross. But Jesus had to go on a cross because that cross signified a purpose. And it signified an expected end. And God says, if you run away now, if you run away from this hard place, if you run from your your small beginnings, this is why the Bible says, do not despise small beginnings. You may operate a small church, but God has given you a vision to where you're going to be preaching to millions of people. But yet here you are every Sunday preaching to 25 people and don't nobody even know your name. God says that's all right. Because God says that in this place where I'm grooming you, where you're planted, he says the character that you're going to build here is going to be used to be able to handle the platform when you're up on high. Because God says, if I, if I take you there now, you won't have any character. You won't have any anointing. Right? And you will not know how to handle the place that I have for you. And like I said, I'm sure David didn't like his father. And I'm sure he didn't like his brothers either. But David had to pay a price. Because he was anointed to be king. And that goes into my third point. Key point number three. The anointing will cost you. A lot of people look at, you know, successful people with the billions of dollars and the millions of dollars. And they look at them and they on this platform. And they have this millions of followers. And, and, and they have all these, you know, things going for them. You do not know what it costs them to be there. And not everybody sells their soul to the devil to get to the top. Some people sell out their souls to Jesus Christ in order to get to where God has for them. And it's not that necessarily that they wanted to be at the top. It's what God gave them. Because their character can handle it. That's what he anointed them for. He anointed them for hard things. He anointed them for the top. You want the anointing, but you're not willing to pay the price. God says, 
Are you going to be groomed where I plant you? Because if you are, the anointing is going to cost you. The anointing is going to cost you. The price for David was remaining around family who hated him and who looked at him like a castaway. You don't want to stay on that job. You don't want to keep working at McDonald's. You, you have a dream to, to own your own hair salon. And you don't want to work at the hair salon you work at now because you're working under a system that you may not agree with. But God says, if you stay here, I promise I'm going to bless you. But there's some things that you got to learn now. Some of you have to be up under people that can't stand you or can't, can't, can't stand to see you win. Because guess what? When you're at the top, you're going to have more haters. And you're going to have more people who are going to criticize you. Because the higher you are, the more people that can see you. And the more people that can see you, the more people that's going to hate you. And if you can't handle four or five people hating you, you're not going to be able to handle a million people hating you. So guess what? The anointing is going to cost you. You got to meet God where he met you. You want to run. You want to, you know, be prideful. You want to be egotistical. And then you want things to to fall in line within a year. God says it's going to take you 20 years. Because it took David about, about 20 so or less years to actually become king. By the time David was anointed to the time he actually sat on a throne. And, and was sworn in to be king. It was it had been about two decades. That's a long time. Two decades. And not only was it two decades of, of being a long time. David had to sit up under Jesse. And his siblings. Who couldn't stand him. And then Jesse. And um, excuse me. Then King David. Had to sit up under Saul. Who he was going to replace. And he had to learn how to stay planted in a place to where his soul was set on fire. I'm sure David ran, like it said in the Bible, and David wanted to quit. If you read all of, you know, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, and, and all the Psalms, David cried out to God plenty of times. Plenty of times David cried out. David wanted to quit so many times. David is like... If this is what it's going to cost me to be king, man, I want it. But God says, I chose you. I chose you to be king. And this is how it has to happen. Because we all know that when David became king, David did not do everything according to the will of God. There were certain things that David did that, that, that made God say, there's blood on your hands. Now imagine if David wouldn't have gone through the fire with his Jesse, his father, and his siblings, and with Saul trying to kill him and trying to come after him and trying to break up his friendship between him and Jonathan. David probably would have done more evil in the sight of God than had God not have purged him in his low valley years, right? In his, in his, in his low seasons. People may view you however they want to view you. They may not like you as much. 
And you even may have some people, they don't like you because they know that you are a threat to their very existence. But remember, God has planted you there for the growth, for his purpose. And remember, God doesn't want to see you hurt, right? Don't think, oh, well, God needs to see me hurt because this and that and third. God doesn't want to see you hurt. God never wanted David to experience the pain that David felt. God never wanted Jesus to cry out the way that he did. But God knows that his purpose for our lives while we're on this earth fighting evil is going to cost us a lot. It's going to cost us a lot to become anointed. And the more anointed that you become, the more broken that you have to become. Because God cannot anoint and bless pridefulness and egotisticalness and and, and haughtiness and boastfulness. God always blesses the humble, but he discards the prideful. Which brings me to key point number four. The anointing will cost you your brokenness. And in your brokenness is where you will meet humility. God has to humble all of us. And there are going to be certain things in certain agencies, in certain positions, and in certain paths that we go on that will humble us so heavy that we may become like how David became and said, you know what, maybe this is not for me. Maybe I may go on and do something else. But then, but then you hear the Holy Spirit say, do not quit. This is the place that I have for you because I trust you with my will for your life. God is saying to you today, I trust you with my purpose. The same way that God trusted Jesus For the purpose that Jesus had to carry out. God is saying to you today. I trust you with the anointing. That I need you to carry. To be able to live out your purpose. That I have for your life. Because it's not about you. It's about blessing my people. When we get out of our own heads. And our own minds. And our own pride. And realize that. Every person that God calls. Is always For other people. The gifting that we carry on our lives. Is for other people. It's not for us. So when we get us off of our minds. And we start thinking. There's someone out there who needs my testimony. I have to survive. There's someone out there. Who needs my anointing. Because they need some yokes broken off their lives. I got to get through this. That's the same thing that David and Jesus said. Within themselves. If I don't go through it this way, there's going to be no other way. And God is going to keep calling up someone else and someone else and someone else till the job gets done. Because God says, this path you must take. So the anointing is going to cost you, which is key point number four. It's going to cost you your brokenness. And the brokenness is where you'll meet your humility. And you're going to need it as much You're going to need humility as much as you're going to need the anointing. We must always come before God humbly and with a humble heart. Not downtrodden, 
not not um not thinking that you're unworthy right not not thinking with the mindset of you know well I'm not worthy to have this so I'm just going to go ahead and do you know what it is you know I feel like I want to do no you can come before God humbly but don't be downtrodden you can be meek but not be a doormat because God knows, like I said before, God knows that if he gives you too much too soon, you'll have too much pride and you will ruin it just like the prodigal son ruined all of his inheritance that his father gave him. You can either be a King David or you can be the prodigal son, but you have to choose which son do you want to be? Do you want to be Jesse's son, which is King David? Or do you want to be the prodigal son? Wasting everything that God has given you. All because you haven't learned nothing. You don't have no character. You don't want that to be you. When God gives us a word and an anointing and a vision. That foretells our future. He does not mean that it will happen within a day, within a a year it may take a couple of decades and you may be thinking god this place is too hard i want to quit and you can't quit you can quit you can give up because god is remember god is never going to force his will upon anyone so if you want to quit you can quit but you're never going to fulfill god's purposes in your life if you quit, if you go to a gravesite right now, any gravesite with the United States of America, any gravesite, and if God could tell you the many souls that are in that ground right now, dead, that have never walked in the goodness of God, that never walked into the purpose of God, or that walk that was walking in the purpose that God has for them or had for them, but they quit in the middle because it got too hard. You would be so shocked and so surprised. And it may even give you a little gumption and go, you know what? Maybe it's not as hard as I thought. Maybe it's not as bad as I thought. Keep moving on. To allow God to fulfill his purpose for your life. Because you may not look like you're at a place that God has called you. Because when, da- when God anointed David to be king, he was still attending to the sheep. When God called Moses to lead his children out of, uh, his children of Israel out of Egypt. Moses had given up everything that Pharaoh and them had given to him that he inherited. Moses probably thought that he was going to be king, you know, um, in Pharaoh's, uh, you know, you know, kingdom because, you know, Moses was adopted. God called Moses to something completely opposite. And for 40 years, Moses had to humble himself because he ran because he was so ashamed. But even through that, that 40 years of running from, from 
I guess what he wanted to do early on, kind of like like a precept of what God would have have him do. Moses ran for 40 years because someone said, how can you be the ruler and the judge over me when you killed an Egyptian? And Moses didn't know that someone had saw him kill another human being. And Moses was ashamed, so he ran for 40 years. But those 40 years that Moses had ran, God built him from the ground up. And Moses was so humble. But through that 40 years of humility, God was able to build character in Moses. God was able to, 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 to break Moses down from that Pharaoh and that Egyptian mindset and get him back into the Hebrew mindset that he needed to lead his people. Because remember, even though Moses was Hebrew, he did not grow up Hebrew. He grew up in an Egyptian household and he grew up with the, the Pharaoh and Egyptian customs. So he did not know the Hebrew life. So God had to break him down in order for him to lead his people, his children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt into the land that flowed with milk and honey. But God had to break him down. And you're asking God, why am I in this place? Why am I still working at McDonald's? Why do I have to learn this? Why does this have to be so difficult? Why, why does these doors keep closing? Why, why didn't this relationship work out? Why didn't that work out? Stop asking God why and start asking God, what lessons do I learn from everything that did not work out? Because God's word says that all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. If you humble yourself before God and say, God, I may not have liked that I failed this test. I may not like that this didn't I have worked out. I may not like that this didn't go my way and it hurt. But instead of me holding on to a grudge or becoming resentful, Father, show me the lessons that I need to learn so I can stop repeating this pattern. Show me what it is that I need to to get down in my mind. Show me what it is that I need to learn down here in the valley. Because David, David had to learn how to fight at the bottom so that he could know how to fight at the top. And I'm going to say that again. David had to learn how to fight at the bottom, which is the valley, in order to learn and know how to fight at the top. God says that you're learning how to fight low so that you may know how to fight high. If you didn't work at McDonald's, if you didn't work for the boss who couldn't stand you, if the relationships didn't fail, if the business loans didn't go through, if the family uh, reunion didn't turn out how it needed to turn out, God says you would never build character in your valley God says that the character that you build in your valleys when you're fighting in your lows is the character you're going to need to fight up high okay I'm going to repeat that again God says that you're learning how to fight low so that you may learn how to fight high stop asking God why 
Just accept that it has to happen this way. Even your mistakes. Some of you may be thinking, well, God isn't taking me through the valley. I'm making all these mistakes and I'm, and I'm in, in God's way and, and, and I've messed up. If you repent before God, true repentance. If you humble yourself before God and you repent of your sins from being disobedient. If you repent from, from going your own way. And if, and if whatever God puts on your heart to repent, repent from, repent from that. And from that place, ask God to use even this mistakes or mistake or detour or whatever you want to call it. Ask God to use it anyway. And I guarantee you he will. God will use it. Everything is going to come to fruition. You got to trust God and you got to trust the process. Right? So I'm going to go over some of the key points that I pointed out. Key point number one. You will not fit in. So stop trying. Right? You're supposed to stand out. Because you were made for more. When you start trying to fit into the crowd and you start trying to, to look like everybody else, God can no longer use you. Because God says, I didn't call you to be like the rest of them. That's not how I called you to be. If they want to copy one another, that's fine. But who I called you to be is not to be a copycat of someone else. God says that I am too great for you not to be unique throughout your whole life. Okay, remember that in key point number one. Key point number two, you're being groomed where you're planted and that's final. So stop fighting God in your valley. Learn how to fight in your low so that way you can learn how to fight in your highs. Key point number three, the anointing will cost you. So either you're going to pay up or you're going to come up short. And do not shortchange God because when God anoints us, when God gives us a call, when God says that um, Johnny is going to be is going to be uh, made to fulfill my purpose, God doesn't shortchange you. He doesn't. God, whenever God makes a promise to you, God never, never, ever, ever comes up short. So stop coming up short when it's time for you. To accept the call that God has for you is going to be hard. But I promise you, if you wait it out, if you wait it out, I promise you that God will not disappoint you. God cannot disappoint you. He was not, cre- he was not made to disappoint you. He did not create you for you to be disappointed in him. Key point number four. Your anointing will cost you your brokenness. It is in our hard times. Right? It is in our hard times with rough brokenness that makes us being able and qualifying us to handle the things at the top. The things that we learn how to handle when we're at our lowest It's what we'll be able to handle at the top. Okay? And God just put this on my heart. 
if you talk to any millionaire, any billionaire, right? And you ask them, what are the key things to success? And a lot of people are, you know, always think that they're going to have this grand answer and this grand quote, and it's going to be like life changing and, and wonderful. And most of them will tell you, be humble, something like that, you know, make your bed every day, take out your own trash, key simple things. You know, another thing they may say is like, never think that you're the smartest person in the room. Always be humble to learn. Just because you're the CEO doesn't mean that your technician at the base level at your work cannot teach you anything because they can. The day that you stop thinking that no one can teach you anything is the day that you stop becoming a great person. Why? Because you don't know everything. That means that you're not humble. That means that you're not willing to learn. You're, you're not willing to get dirty. And you can't have that haughty attitude at the top. God isn't going to accept that. As God is trying to grow you up. And as he is trying to mold you into the warrior that you need to be. For his purposes for your life. Learn how to stand still and become unmovable. A dream may come to fruition in about 30 to 40 years. Okay, I'm going to repeat that again. Into about 30 or 40 years. Remember King David. From the time he was anointed to be king to the time he sat on the throne, it took about 20 years. When, when, when Moses saw God in the burning bush and all the things that God had taught Moses from his time for running away to when God had put it on his heart to go back to his hometown, to his Hebrew, um, his Hebrew background, to the time to where he actually led the children out of uh, Egypt. It had been about 40 years. Remember... What God has called you to is going to take your whole lifetime. It is going to take your whole lifetime to unfold. So don't rush the journey. Don't rush God. Don't rush the process. Trust God. Trust the process. Trust that God knows what he is doing with your life. God knows how to handle you. And a lot of times we think that we know what's best for us. But we don't. We think that because God gives us a vision, a purpose, a calling. He anoints us to do something. That the ideas that we have in our minds doesn't necessarily mean that that's from God. And just because you can sit down and think, oh, well, if God called me to preach, I'm supposed to go to school to get a theology degree. I'm supposed to go to school to do this. That might not be the route that God takes you. So if you are anointed... If you are called by God to do something, if God has given you a vision for your life, if he has given you dreams, meet God where he meets you at and where he has met you at by saying, God, thank you for calling me to your purpose. Thank you for trusting me with your assignments. Thank you for for believing in me that, that I can fulfill your purposes. 
So God, how do you want me to go about your plans and your will for my life? That's how you meet God where he has met you. By humbling yourself under God and saying, God, the purpose that you have given me, the purpose that you have called me to, the vision and the dreams that you have given me is not my own. I cannot rule my own life. Father, you have given me these things because you trust me with your purpose. So therefore, I'm going to trust you that you know how to walk me through this thing called life. That you know how to walk me through this thing called a journey to get to where it is that you have for me. Because as soon as we start thinking that we know everything, we know how to go about how God is going to do things in our lives. And we go off and we, we, we try to, to, to become who we want to be in our own time, trying to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. We are telling God that we are our own gods. And this is why when you go out and you do that, you will fail. Because God is showing you, you cannot operate the call that I called you. You cannot operate the purpose that I've purposed for your life. You cannot fulfill the purpose that I called you to fulfill in your life, your way. But you have to do it my way. Because God is what? The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The author and the finisher of our lives. If God is the author and the finisher of our lives... That means that everything in between the blueprint, only God knows about it. Only he knows about it. So I'm praying like how I prayed at the beginning of this message. That this word blesses you. And that you get a Holy Spirit fire in you. For 2023. To start humbling yourself before God. And asking God. Not only to use you like he said he would years ago, but to ask him and to lay your life before God and say, God, use me how you want. Take me where you need to take me and I'll follow. Because this life that we have, guys, is not our own. It's not. The life that we have is not our own. And as long as I've been living and, and been living so far and been blessed on these years. I don't want this life to even be my own. Because I've seen outside. Outside is ratchet. Outside is a little too ratchet for me. For me to be wanting uh, my life to be my own. Because I would not know how to handle it. Because I could tell you from my own experiences. There have been plenty of things that I could have gotten myself caught up in. That God has blocked. There have been plenty of things that I could have gotten um, done away with. But God stopped it. Why? Because he is the author and the finisher. Because I thought I knew what I was doing. But God was like, oh, here we go. Nope. You don't know what you're doing. So trust me when I say, you better be glad that God is choosing to be the author and the finisher of your life. And I pray that this message is a blessing to you. And that whoever it blesses, that you go out in the anointing that God has in your life. And know that it's not going to happen in a day. It's not going to happen in a year. It is going to take your whole lifetime to see the dreams and vision that God has for you. It's going to take a lifetime, a whole lifetime of a journey for everything to line up. And when you look back on your life, you're going to then see 
oh, this was the vision that God gave for me. It took 70 years. It took 80 years. Be patient with God. Be very, very patient with him. He is never going to fail you. He is never, ever, ever going to fail you. So meet God where he has met you at. And you will not be disappointed.